0: Hi, I'm Mara Webster with Increative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by the fantastic Lily Rabe to talk all about her latest series, Love and Death. And I was so interested in, in the facet of developing a character like Betty in, in this show, because, you know, obviously, unfortunately, we don't have her side of events. And so everything that you're constructing and all of the details in building who she is are based on other people's experiences, anecdotes, and, and relationships with her. And in looking both at the detail of the scripts and the book that it's based on evidence of. love I was really interested in what that journey looked like for you and finding the details and and a lot of the the common threads and how people would describe her and and what felt really important to capture for you Uh, that is that's an
1: incredible question and it really it does speak to part of what attracted me most about taking on the role something I uh when I when after I'd been sent the scripts initially I I had a Um, It was still lots of Zoom, um, but a Zoom with Leslie and David and something we talked about was this, uh, you know, this kind of, not that David was trying to diagnose her, but there is this feeling of something undiagnosed and yet something that could have been managed in such a different way had she had certain resources um, and I don't even mean necessarily medication I think uh, I just a, a kind of you know of a, a forum and a landscape where talking about certain things um, is is welcome and you're given tools and you don't feel so alone I think something for Betty that I was so haunted by and fascinated by was that in Kansas where they come from everything I everything I read about her and everything I learned about her was that she had been this kind of she was like a star. Um, she was incredibly popular and and easy easy to uh, easy to love and easy to have a relationship with, and then something that is you know because you learn so much about someone through a story by what everyone else says about them. But I think in the case of Betty, so much of it is this, it's, it's a misunderstanding, it's a projection and it's also a way to kind of silence her and um, handle her. So, you know, I think Betty was, she was incredibly intelligent. She was an educator. She was devoted to her career that the part in the series where, you know, she wants to, she's very determined to get pregnant. It was actually because she wanted to have the baby in midsummer so that she wouldn't miss school so that she could show up for her students. So, you know, I think there is so much that's just misunderstood about her. And I'm always, um, I, I guess I did feel a kind of, I felt, The more I learned about her, I felt so protective of her and I wanted to do, and there's so much we can't know, but given what we do know and what Leslie and David and I all felt about her, I just, I did feel, um, drawn towards taking on the responsibility of giving as much voice to her side of the story as I possibly could. And, um, yeah, that was something it was that was daunting and, and sort of remains daunting, but it was definitely part of what I what I loved about the idea of getting to 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 play her, you know, specifically.
0: And and I love that detail that you were bringing up there about when she was trying to get pregnant and how she wanted to specifically time it to her job because there's elements, and and I've heard you kind of talk about the hypervigilance of the character a little Mm -hmm. bit. She's very specific with herself and with other people around her, um, which is probably part of how she kind of puts the details together of of Alan having an affair and, and being unfaithful to her. And what's interesting is, it can be perceived as a paranoia, but it's not because she's absolutely 100% correct. And so did you view that hypervigilance as, as actually being a really strong attribute and part of what helps her to piece things together for herself? I did.
1: And I also found it
0: incredibly
1: relatable. She's so different uh, for me in so many ways, which I'm always so attracted to, but it was that kind of when you know, and, and I think to go back to to your point about the pregnancy, that's such a perfect example of the things that we, the stories that we can write, the things that we can say about people, particularly women and say, oh, she was so controlling. Oh, she was so, you know, in terms of trying to get pregnant at this time. And, but actually it's like this act of generosity. She doesn't want to, she doesn't want to not show, she doesn't want to have a substitute teacher. She doesn't want to miss, You know, so it's, it's, but that's such a kind of crystal clear example of looking at exactly the same thing and writing one story that really has nothing to do with, with the truth or what her, her motivations or experience are. Um, And I think that that hypervigilance, you know, gaslighting is this, I feel like it was just became... Like, really, a word that was just very has been so in the zeitgeist. I feel like there was a moment in time where my boyfriend was doing a show called Gaslit. I was doing an episode called Gaslight. And, there, you know, it was just like every, it was. Um, and, but I think for Betty, that, that, uh, uh, she's so attuned. And I think, you know, she's, she's, she's operating in a very high frequency. She absorbs everything and, you know, she, she doesn't have blinders on, um, she's highly sensitive. And so probably all of the qualities that she had that made her this incredibly popular, Uh, person to be around it's almost like they turn on her because they isolate her because no one knows what to do with that kind of awareness or vigilance or frankly honesty because you know she really says what she thinks and and I think you know when she feels like something isn't right. Even if she's not naming the thing, you know, even if it's not, Oh, it's, I think it's an affair until she knows. Um, But just that sense of, I am not getting the full truth of my life. There is a piece missing. And even before the affair, I think that, you know, she has this sense of something not being quite right and and exactly to your point she's right but it isolates her further and further because no one wants to deal with hearing the truth or or being sort of confronted with someone who will ask the hard questions um so i was i was just i was I was so compelled by that, that quality in her and how it can be misunderstood and sort of how it can, it, how it, it, it really, for her, I think she, you know she is actually trying to, can, I think there's so much love between her and Alan and I think she's trying to reach him. But in fact, the way that she's doing it Because it's so kind of truthful, it just isolates her further, but it's not, I, I, you know, I don't feel it's like, she's not trying to drive anyone away. She's actually trying to do the opposite.
0: But I, I do think there's something incredibly powerful in her saying what she needs and, and and kind of being the person to say, our marriage isn't working right now and I want to fix it. I don't want yeah. to live in this space, you know, and so it's very much her verition that leads them to marriage encounter. Um, and I've, I've heard you and Jesse talk about how the two of you really discuss the idea of feeling like you know, if they'd had more time together that their relationship really would have mended and they would have made it. And so how did you, how did the two of you find that space of what does it look like as they've gone through this journey at Marriage Encounter, as we see them in the rest of the series, where it hasn't fixed everything in their relationship, but the foundational blocks of building it back together are kind of starting to piece together and they're starting to find more elements of intimacy and communication with each other.
1: You know, it it feels like and it was such a wonderful thing to navigate with him because we we really were, we felt similarly about it in terms of our kind of approach and belief in their relationship. But I also think we just had, we had a, an ease with one another. Um, Like when we met, we just felt like we'd known each other for a very long time in that wonderful way that, you know, it happens with people and, Um. And we have, we work similarly, I think, in a lot of ways. So it, it that, you know, <laughs> that dance of that relationship and sort of this lost potential um, and that delicate, like you said, it's not, it's not that they go there and everything is, is, is perfect. Nothing that, uh, I mean, if, listen, if that place existed, right. But, but it's enough of a shift. It's not a band-aid because I think it's really something real has shifted something sort of fundamental has shifted. And to me, what it feels like is they had gotten to the end. They, they, they were set out on this sort of path of their relationship. They'd gotten to a place where they felt like they were at a kind of, you know, there was like a roadblock that they didn't know how to navigate. And then they go to marriage encounter and it's, it's outrageous in certain ways and it's ridiculous, but there's something really tangible that happens there in terms of their connection. And they kind of drop their shoulders and just see one another. And then it's like, they look to the left and, they're, and they realize that, okay, this roadblock might, might be in front of us, but there's actually this whole other path that we can sort of now walk towards to the left that we didn't know like we were just weren't looking in that direction um and so it really is it's so um it's so sad that they don't get more of a chance to to sort of because all that's all it is it's like they haven't arrived at any kind of destination, but they're just walking, you know, they've just kind of like pointed themselves in this other, down this other path. It feels like things um, will be possible Mm
0: -hmm. there and and i think that that opportunity to kind of explore what that looks like for the two of them is such a great example of of how you've described david e kelly's writing in that as as an actor the writing always gives you a lot of space between the lines on the page to really discover and to really find things and even You know, the way that that goes back to what you were talking about the beginning of you don't need to kind of specifically diagnose Betty, but you can have essences of truth within that still to to find as you play her. Um, And so how did the way that he'd written the scripts with that space in between, particularly for a character like this in the show, really, really help you in a lot of ways? He
1: does it so remarkably. The 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 space in between and but you do, you do really need a director and a scene partner who are willing to live in that space in between as well. Um, and I, I, you know, I think for Betty, it's it's, David doesn't, none of his characters ever feel like, like foils, they all feel you know, in support of this greater thing, which is the story and easier said than done um, in terms of what, you know, building a show when you have a ton of, of, of storylines, not that there are so many in this, but there, you know, it's like there's whatever real estate there is in an hour of television. But I think he just is, is remarkable at, you never feel when you're playing one of his characters or living out a relationship that he's written, that you're not in a constant place of discovery, that you're sort of, you know, this this is the purpose of this, or this is like, it just always feels like the relationships and the characters sort of have continued to reveal themselves to him. And so there's like a lot of generosity in the way that they're built, if that makes sense. So, because I, I, I guess what I'm really saying, which would just be sort of like a more kind of crude way to say it is it would be so easy to, Tell the story, this story of an affair with the, um, you know, these these two characters who are being cheated on, and have it become one-dimensional so quickly, whether in the acting or the writing or the editing. Frankly, like you could do a lot of great work and then have it edited in a way where it's like, well, this this person is sort of, you know, of course there was an affair, but it was like from go that was so clearly not what he was interested in or what Leslie was interested in or what we you know the four of us who were playing the parts were interested in we you you don't it's not it's not a a story about a bad relationship and it's also not until it is it's not a story about a bad affair it's so that's what's you know and I think that's what's so that's what's so interesting that was what was so wonderful about making it I imagine that's part of what's wonderful about watching it. um you know there's no finger pointing and there's no sort of well, of course, this happened because of x there's like a tremendous amount of surprise and delicacy in the storytelling and really had had at any point any number of things gone just slightly differently, it all could have. And I don't even mean the murder. I mean, like the affair itself or um what happens, you know, in, in the other relationships, it, it all could have ended up so it, it's just so delicate. And I think he really. He looks at that in such an amazing way.
0: And there's a lot of delicacy as well in in the writing and and in your performance in terms of just those subtle differences in who is Betty when she's in her home with her husband and her kids and who is she when she is out in the world with other people because yeah. as much as you know she's very comfortable being the person to say out loud what everyone's thinking she's also very aware of you know this is a small tight-knit community where everybody knows everything about you um you know like at the volleyball game where she's sitting on the bench and and one of the other churchgoers is like well it makes sense because you're trying to get pregnant and that's a very private and personal detail to her at the time um and- and so how did you kind of look towards the writing and, and find those subtleties and those little differences of, of behavior that would be a little bit different in the home to out with other people?
1: Oh, I, that, that just felt like that, that, that was her to me. She felt like a, a, a shapeshifter in a way. Um, and I think it's part of how she navigates her own pain, but it's also, part of what it is to be a a woman at that time in this very small community, because even though, yes, she does have this um, ability to be incredibly honest and direct, but she also does want to be accepted and liked. And um, I, you know, even with things like with the dialect, because I worked with someone really wonderful and Jesse and I, we, we talked about it a lot before we started um, but you know they come from Kansas so it's like they have a totally different dialect but I think that Texan it's you know it's not just the dialect it's also just the kind of buoyancy to it is something that rubs off on Betty depending who she's talking to depending where she is um, and so you know those people who you you can almost tell who they've been with when they come home um, because they just like a little bit of that person has rubbed off on them when they walk through the door. And I think maybe even in spite of herself, she has a little bit of that. So I, 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 I so appreciate that you felt that because that was something, you know, that there is such discomfort for her in her own skin, whatever that even means. Um, because of course this is this she is in her own skin. This is this is what it is. But I think it was, I think it was there's a lot of um there is a lot of discomfort and that and that and that shift. And then if you're out in public, if she's out in public at the game, sort of trying to wear the hat in that moment of being the wife on the sidelines and someone brings something private up it's so jarring and she doesn't, you know, she's, it's like, she's got, she's sort of a raw nerve. She doesn't have, um, I think her truth is like right there at the surface. And then she kind of has to uh, cover it and, and do whatever dance she's going to do. But it's like her immediate response to things is, is so vulnerable.
0: It is, and and I did also want to talk a, a little bit about filming the the confrontation in the laundry room with you and Elizabeth and and Leslie, who was directing that episode, because there's so much delicacy in a scene like that, and I think especially even when you look at the moment where betty comes back with the axe and having to make the audience understand how that is a natural tri- you know progression for her and a natural choice for her to make um because the scene when the two of you were di- initially discussing the affair and that kind of coming out in the open feels like something that Betty has has considered and then as the scene progresses and moves forward everything becomes very instinctual and very reactionary instead of considered Um, and so how did you find that that gradual journey from a place where she's really thought about what is happening to a place where she's simply responding in the moment more and more.
1: I feel so seen by that question. <laughs> that question makes me so happy. Um, you know, we shot the scene for. I think it was four. It was four days with like a weekend in between, and and then we, you know, we rehearsed it, and we and and that was a scene that was sort of that was blocked based on 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 Candy's testimony. Um, but i i I've never quite it was a it was an it was an entirely unique experience shooting that scene, and it did feel a bit like I don't know if I can tell you exactly how I did it or what I did because there there did I knew what I knew in terms of I think Betty, you know. She has that question right there. I don't think she knows she's going to say it until she says it, but she certainly has considered saying it. But she doesn't know that Candy's, it's all happening in real time. You know, she does not like... She could never have imagined any of it. Even if she's imagined asking that question, which I'm sure, to your point, she has a million times up at night thinking about it. But then suddenly there they are in that situation. And the moment has sort of arrived and it happens. And from that moment on, it just felt like, like, um, I don't know, stepping onto something that was moving. And the propulsion of what was happening f- felt, like it almost felt like a, a kind of like sustained piece of music. Um, but I do think that her thoughts sort of conscious thought of what comes next even if it's there a little bit at the beginning it just goes away and so even when I go to get the axe I don't believe there's any I'm not thinking beyond that it's I'm not going to the garage to get it I go to the garage to get out of the room and there it is you know or it's like everything is just happening um as it's happening, it's some in wild collision of fight, flight, freeze, like everything is happening all at once. But there's no, for me, and certainly in the playing of it, nothing felt, um, and less and less, so as we get through the scene, nothing felt, you know, pre, sort of, um, premeditated yep. in, in any, in any way.
0: It's also physically a very different scene as it progresses as well. And, and I was really struck by just the incredible stillness at the beginning, when you first walk out with the ax in that moment and Betty just standing there kind of without moving. And then again, it, it you know, becomes comes to that place of that sense of having no safety and that fear of everything that I've built around me is being taken away from me. And yeah once it kind of that realization hits in, it, it physically also reaches a very different space. And, and I know Leslie wanted to be very specific about the detailing of of how that all played out as well. Um, and so what did that look like in working with Leslie and working with Elizabeth Olsen to really just block out and choreograph it on top of everything that you were just talking about that you had to do on the emotional side? We had... Um, we had
1: blocked out just really by numbers at first you know we'll start here we'll go here then we go then then we go up you know and then there's the time where the door opens and the you know it was like really and we sort of started there and um and then we just started to move through it and we had you know we had doubles. I was very pregnant at the time, but I was, you know, I, I love pregnant or not. I always, it's just in a way it's for me being pregnant is actually irrelevant in terms of my desire to do as much, uh, physical work as I possibly can when I'm playing a part Um, I always, I always am interested in it. I always want to do it. Of course, you know, I always, I always want to be safe. I always want to keep my scene partner safe. I certainly want to keep, uh, uh, my, you know, (laughs) baby safe as, but it's almost like, but I just believe so strongly that a woman knows, um, you know, how to keep, you know, how to, you, you know, how, you know, women, pregnant women can do anything physically that they feel they can do it's for every woman to sort of decide for herself and it's not uh and for me it just has always felt right I've worked through all of my pregnancies and I've just never felt limited by it um and listen I've had like I might be (laughs) there's like a trash can next to the camera because I'm growing up but it's still I still just feel um I don't know. It just never felt like a limitation. And so I was really determined to do as much as I possibly could. And then there were things that I, I couldn't do that the stunt double would, would do. I mean, specifically like fall, you know, there was like an at. you know, I, there were times when I had to be sort of forward in a way that, you know, and I had this belly. Um, but I could do so much of it and I wanted to. And I just learned, I learned so much through, I'm trying to think if I'm really answering your question, but it's, but about, you know, the physical part of it, I guess this, yes, I am. This is, this is really what I'm trying to say is that the the physical part of it, I'm I'm not excellent at separating them. In other words, to kind of, to track the emotional journey of a role and then track the kind of physical beats of what we're gonna be doing. Of course you do that, but then for me, the thing really lives in getting to do them both at the same time and not feeling like you have to kind of do one and then the other. But of course, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Am I, I mean, I really think it's so, because I, I don't, it's just my, it's just kind of my taste for myself because I also know some actors like they don't want to and I don't there's nothing there's no right answer or sort of I think it really is just and maybe it is because I feel like so much of you know my early journey as a performer was as a dancer so it was like my body was it told me everything about performing Um, and so Yeah. Any opportunity I have to, to be able to do as much of, of, of whatever it is physically, I I do always want to do it. I mean, I was saying on a, at another interview, like I, it's not just about stunts. It's like, I also don't like to have hand doubles. Like I want to open the letter myself because it's part of the performance and sometimes the schedule doesn't allow for it of course there's always exceptions but if I can do it and you know then then I then I want to
0: I really really love that and it's so wonderful watching your performance in this series and kind of you can tell how much care you've taken in the way that you've developed Betty as a character on screen so congratulations on the show and thank you so much Lily
1: thank you this was such a pleasure your questions were really amazing thank you